Welcome to this week's episode of Live Transform. Jim, Audrey, it's good to have us. <laughs> guys, you guys, every single time. We, we do really bug Bob as he yeah, begins. Yes, we this. do. We, we won't make it. Yes. We want to make it entertaining it. for us. I yes. know. It's like we're making really, faces. Don't, don't do that, Bob. Okay, <laughs> everyone, welcome. Episode number one thirty-one. <laughs> oh, good. Hey, we've been. Uh, it's. When I think of the Live Transform series, for me, yeah, it's it's been a lifetime. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. It really has been. It, it has, uh, Audrey. In in our uh, other podcast, in our other world, yes. all about relationships podcast, uh, we we share about you know just our journey mm-hmm. uh, to wholeness, and it has been a journey of discovering the extravagance and the goodness of God. That's Just really what the journey good has he been. really, yeah. really is. And to think that we've known, like the three of us have known each other since, you know, for 25, 30, I don't know, 35 years, whatever. But I just love that we've done this journey together. Yeah, you never, ever get tired no. of talking about his goodness. And apparently we never get tired of Jim, which <laughs> no. is a miracle. <laughs> you, guys, you guys will probably get a special place in heaven for all that. I feel it like there's a no. special crown for me. <laughs> There's a definitely a special crown for me. <laughs> yeah, Bob, Bob, for both of y'all. You know, me and Audrey, we're going to be putting somewhere like washing dishes and stuff. And, I know. And we're Bob's going to be like, in, he's going to be like in the, in the uh, you know, the upper suite, you know, of, of, of Heaven's Hotel, you know. Yeah, and and it'll be nice and quiet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bob's love language is quiet. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, good. All right. So uh, it's been a life journey, mm-hmm. and I just want to say I I I love experiencing and knowing uh, his goodness Absolutely. towards mm-hmm. me. Just mm-hmm. waking up every day knowing his mercy is new, you know, towards me. And I don't think we understand the, from the quantum level, the very smallest level, how important it is to really, truly believe how good he is. Because if we question that or we doubt that or we think maybe this happened because and we start questioning, mm. that's when things can go awry. And yep. so I am so glad that we have God and that we can just be established in the fact he is just, he is good, he yep. is faithful. And only good. And only good. You know, and I, I tell people this and they know their heads and they shake their heads yes and until they get in trouble and then they panic and go right back to the same old stuff they've always done but you know mm. when when it doesn't matter if you're reading the bible and you see something that looks negative or if you're looking at life and life seems unfair or whatever you know the the first place and we talked about this about you know having your feet shod with this readiness of mind in the gospel of peace you know, your, your first and only response has always got to be, God is not the problem. And, and if, that's, if that is not your absolute immovable response, right. then you, right. you will begin to pass judgments about God. And, you know, that's what Job did. Uh, you know, in the, in the book of Job, and I, and I have a great series called The Truth About Job, and, and Job was a righteous man. But see, yes. see, we have this idea that a righteous person can't be flawed. Mm-hmm. But everybody's flawed. Yes. And so Job, even though he was a righteous man, he, he, 
there were some things in his confusion that were admirable. You know, like, like hmm. Job said, even if he kills me, yet will I serve him. Yes. So, you know, it's admirable to have that kind of <laughs> commitment. But it's sort of like David. You know, when David was being driven out of Jerusalem and Doeg the dog was throwing rocks at him and pronouncing curses on him, and Joab said, you want me to go kill that dog? That's the reason I call him Doeg the dog. His name was Doeg. Job, Joab called him a dog. He said, you want me to go kill that dog for you? And, and, you know, David was sort of like, well, maybe God told him to say that. Well, you know, it's, that is admirable that, that they took persecution sometimes the way they took it. But just because it's admirable and just because they are righteous doesn't mean that they themselves are not flawed in their doctrine or their understanding. Because, because with, uh. with, with Job, you know, God rebukes Job for about 10 chapters. And, and he, he starts with asking Job this question. Who is it that darkens my counsel uh, by speaking words without knowledge? In other words, who, who, is it that, who is it that makes my wisdom look bad? Who is it that makes my information look mm. bad? Because you're talking about something you know nothing about. And then God goes on about a 10-chapter <laughs> sermon, basically asking Job, were you there when I created the world? Were you there when I set the, you know, when I set the boundaries mm. of the oceans? Were you there when mm -hmm. I did this? And, and, and you know, Job was like, uh, no. Uh, no, no. And, and then, then God basically says, so then let me ask you this. Will you annul my judgment? My, you know, in other words, my wisdom. Will, will you make it null and void in order to make yourself look right? Will you, will you claim to be more righteous than I am? That, that's one of the things God asked me. Is it right that you should claim to be more righteous than I am? It's like you're kind of sitting there saying, hey, mm -hmm. uh, I, don't, you know, I didn't do anything, but, but God, look what, look what God is letting happen to me. And so wow. that's where people go if they're not. But that's what trip. Yeah, but that's what trips people up, because if we take Job, from what I'm hearing, we have to go really high up as far as our perspective and look at the entire message of it. But if we take out one of those verses, like even though he kills me, I will serve him. That that doesn't really say that says that God kills people. Right. Well, Job, as we've talked about on here. Job and his friends ramble for 38 chapters. Right. And everybody quotes all of their rambling and all of their accusations mm -hmm. against God. And, his you know, of course, Job's friends were accusing Job. And Job was kind of saying, I'm innocent, so I don't know why God's doing this. But, but yeah. what's interesting is nobody quotes what God said when God finally started speaking. Yeah. <laughs> kind of interesting. Yeah. And, you know, a guy wrote me the other day, and I've got to answer this. I'm not being critical of him because I thought, you know, praise God, he, even though he's misguided, at least he's at least he's thinking for himself. He said, mm -hmm. he said, Jim, you're wrong. You need to apologize to Job. You got it all wrong because number one, Job, you know, Job wasn't doing all this all this about blaming God. Well, then why did God ask Job if he thought he was more righteous than him? Why did God ask him? You know, why he was darkening his counsel. Why did God ask him, you know, all of these particular questions? And then he quoted Job 42, 11, where, and this, again, this is not God speaking. But it says, it says, and then Job's friends, you know, came 
and they melted down their, I, can't, I think their gold and their silver, and they, they gave it to him, and, and it says basically, so I, I'm, I'm going to say this wrong, but it's pretty close. So basically they're saying, so, so Job overcame all that the Lord had done to him. Now, I've, I've, we've talked about this before. There is a, there is a mode of speech in, um, in the Hebrew called the Hiphel, H-I-P-H-I-L. And mm-hmm. when that mode is used, it, the subject is never taking direct action. And hmm. so, it, but, but it's sort of like this. It, it, it'd be like if I, let's say that I go out here and build a car mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and that car can go really, really fast. And mm-hmm. you jump in that car, you go flying down the road and have a wreck. In the Hebrew language, I would say that I caused that to happen because I'm the one that built the car. See, <laughs> God created the law of the seed, which is the yes. overarching, most predominant mm-hmm. law of the universe. Mm-hmm. And God had to do that because that's the only way that we could have a, <laughs> that we could have a free will and become who we want to become. But because he created that law, there are many times that, that it will say that the Lord causes this to happen. So everywhere that I have researched it myself, that the Bible will say, and the Lord caused, you know, and it's something bad, or, mm-hmm. the, Lord, or, or the Lord brought this on somebody, everywhere that I personally research, it's in the Hiphel form, which means God did not actually act on that person or that situation to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, we, but we read passages of scripture like that. Now, now this is my opinion. My okay. opinion is that the translators of the Bible. Boy, this guy got really upset with this. The translators of the Bible, because the doctrine was already established, the translators of the Bible deliberately mistranslated phrases like that because mm-hmm. they already believed what they believed about God. They already had a doctrine that had an agenda in it that they wanted you afraid of God. Because, because remember, you know, in, in Catholicism, and, and, you know, the church had already gotten off track a good bit anyhow, but in Catholicism, Catholicism really wasn't Christianity because the word Catholic means universal. Catholicism was a universal church, and the idea was that they were going to create an umbrella that all of the gods would be worshipped, and that's where the that's where the saints came from, uh, and, and you know pray into saints because basically they were the various different tribal gods. You know the god that when you lose something you pray to, the god that you know when your dog bites you you pray to. You know, I mean you know, but they were all these gods, and and they were going to create this umbrella where Jesus was going to be like really the sun god, and was going to be the predominant. God among all of these other minor gods. So <clears throat> you didn't get saved and come to Jesus. You converted to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And so in Catholicism, the idea is, pre- is presented that the, that the church provides you covering. And so it, it is the church that protects you from the wrath of God, not Jesus. And so you have to be you have to be right with the church in order to go to heaven because the church can block you from heaven. It can send you to hell, you know, all this kind of stuff. So so it was essential in that 
world at that time, and the goal was political. The goal was to take over the world, to create a, to create a, a theocracy under under Catholicism, and so and so they had to keep you afraid of God, so that you would feel the need of the church to protect you. Now I'm not saying Catholicism is that way today. I am not. Most Catholics don't even know the history of the Catholic Church, and I'm not saying this is who Catholics are. Uh, there's wonderful Christians, you know, strong Christians in, in Catholicism, but this is really what it was all about. So the Bible was translated in a way to present the Old Testament creator God as being ruthless and wrathful, and Jesus, the New Testament God, as somehow being different and being sweet and kind and, and, and all of this kind of stuff. So we've got these doctrines that served a corrupt church establishment. Yeah. We've, we've taken time in uh, episodes past, encourage our, our listeners to go back. And I think one of the, the, the most powerful series that we've done this year is the golden thread of the Gospels. Yeah. And, and that is personal responsibility. So on both extremes, yeah. this is what's happening, is that, you know, uh, with a poor representation of what the church really is, Catholicism comes in and, says, and removes all personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Okay? And no, no longer, you know, uh, now we're, we're just going to blame God for everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? And no personal responsibility for you. And then when it comes to the other side, where where the grace of God is presented through Jesus, again, no personal responsibility for you. Right. It doesn't and the, liberalism and these, or legalism always either yes, one leads to no responsibility. These are these polarized, you know, ends on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, the goal of this was not to bash Catholicism. That, that's not the goal. The goal no. is to look at church history and realize that the the who God is has been so perverted by the church. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody asked mm-hmm. me the question a couple of weeks ago in our Ultimate Impact group. You know, the question came up is like, why do as believers, why do we hear this stuff, and we just keep still thinking this way? Well, I'll tell you why. Is because uh, this bad God doctrine is promoted by the church in nearly every pulpit in the world. Not everyone, but nearly every pulpit in the world every week. So every week you're going back, no matter what you hear that's freeing, no matter what you discover about God that helps you to grow and become free, you go back and get recharged into, oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The church says that God is going to kill me, hurt me, make me sick, do all these bad things to me. And so you, that, you, you can't keep doing that Am I telling you to quit going to church? No, I'm telling you to quit going to churches that tell you God's a bad God. Go find a good church. And you know what? It, there is subtlety here because, you know, there is, a, as you said, there's there's so much good stuff that we that the church is communicating. But then there's these, then when it gets down to that very bottom thing, but maybe God is doing that to you. No. Or maybe God wants you to do something that you have no desire to do, but he's going to make you because no. that's what he does. You well, know, it, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and I'll go back to... The way I we began today's episode, and for me, it was very, very real of how good he really is. And, and it's because he's pursued me in his love for me, and he wants to have this, what we've 
um, talked about forever, forever is this personal relationship. But it really is a personal yeah. relationship. You know, he really wants to speak with me. He really wants me to experience, you know, his mercy, his love, his grace, his healing, his his provision. He wants that for me, and there is no substitute. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jesus really is mm-hmm. the way for me. Yes, it is. Hooch loves this. He is. It's saying amen to Bob. Right. He's going like, you I, tell him, Bob. He is swinging you, on you, a chandelier right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, but, so here's the big thing. You know, yeah. Isaiah, in, in Isaiah 52, he says, why, and God is prophesying through Isaiah, why do my people howl and mourn or moan? I can't remember if it's mourn or moan. He said, and, and, and he says, and why do they go into captivity for no reason at all? Now, I want you to understand oh. something. Every time a believer goes into captivity, captivity to sin, captivity to poverty, captivity yeah. to fear, captivity to shame, captivity. Every time we become all the limitations, any kind of yeah, any any limitation. I want you to know yep. God has a view and an opinion, and His is the real view, and His view is there is no reason at all that you should be there. Now, in right. Isaiah fifty-two, in the context, He's probably referring to the oppressors, you know, Babylon, uh, uh, Assyria. But he could very well be referring to the oppressors that Jesus often referred to, and that is the religious oppressors. And he's uh, basically, one translation said, because of your leaders. One translation said, because of your oppressors. I mean, it says different things. And, and, and then he goes on to say, because of, of the oppressors, my name is blasphemed continually. And so the oppressors are the people that blame God for this stuff. You know, they're, they're the one that, that if a tornado comes, if a tornado comes, you know, flipping down these roads here and you know, I live in, you know, I live in an area that's, we have tornado season twice a year and you'll, you'll see it on the news media. You know, you get 25 houses flattened and you got people on the news going, uh, you know, we don't, we, we really don't know what God was trying to do there, but you know, he's got a purpose for everything. And yeah, uh, our little baby was killed and yeah, you know, we'll never recover from this, uh, but you know, God's got a, God's always got a plan. And then, on, then the house that, got, that the tornado jumped over, the explanation for that is, man, they were just lucky. Mm. And so we attribute the works of the, really the devil and and the works of just natural disasters, we attribute that to God. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. and there's a, there's a, I mean, we're going, going somewhere specifically. I'm just trying to f- figure out which steps to walk in here first. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll just, we'll go here. Remember, faith works by love. That doesn't mean that because I love, I have faith. Now, that is true that that's probably going to go that way. But faith working by love is actually saying that because of the love of God, you trust him. That's all faith is, is trust. It's not trying to make mm-hmm. things happen. You know, it's not trying to get miracles. It's not trying to get something from God. It's just about trusting God. And everything happens as a byproduct. So you can only trust somebody that, number one, that you really believe loves you. And number two, you're sure they won't hurt you. Mm. And if those two things are not absolute, 
then you'll never really have faith in a great degree. And then anytime anything goes wrong, you're going to be wondering, oh, okay, okay, okay. Is this so God, you, are, you know, you're allowing this, you're doing this, you know, did I open the door, whatever. So <clears throat> our, one of our greatest godlike capacities is the ability to make choices. We are created in God's likeness and image. We are, we are sovereign, just like God is sovereign. And by sovereign, it doesn't mean we can do anything we want to. It means that no one forces us to make our decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I got my, man, I got my butt kicked so many times because I would, I would get into a situation, and, and I was really a, I was an idealist. Um, I'm trying to think of the right word. But if I was in a situation, and let's say I was out somewhere, and it wouldn't matter if it was a grown man being rude to a woman or something, I would just step up and go, you know, what you're doing is not very nice. You need to quit. <laughs> and, of course, you know, I'd have some guy that outweighed me by 50 pounds, and, you know, I was just a scrawny little old kid. And they'd be like, boy, you need to mind your own business and step mm -hmm. back. And I'd be like, well, you know, I can't do that. And I'd be there thinking, <laughs> I am I am going to get the daylights beat out of me. And I did. I got, I got the daylights, you know, beat out of me. And sometimes they were merciful to me because they respected the fact that I stood up for, you know, for the woman that right. they were being mean to or something and but it was just sort of like i, I gotta do this i can't i can't i can't i can't, can't help back yourself. down no and uh you know uh, uh we have to be really we have to be that way with god and about god i cannot will not there's no part of me that will back down from who i know god to be right i will not compromise no. in yes. any way it is established. It is grounded. No, this is not going to change. He is really good so, and very but loving. But that's a choice. Yes, it is. And, 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 you know, even if somebody beats you up and is stronger than you, they can't make you change your mind. If you do, you finally just decided to do it. Nobody can make us change our mind about anything. Hmm. Which fly you can you can try and convince or persuade, yeah. but you can't actually change someone's no, mind. No, that's what God yeah. does. God tries to draw you, yeah. he tries to persuade you. Yeah. But he never But it's still your choice. It's always going to be your choice. And no listen, that mm -hmm. is one of the truths nobody wants to believe. But see, again, religion hid all that from us. And religious religious religion put us in this thing where, you know, we're we're always seeking uh, for the for the uh, unknowable illusion of God's perfect will. And we're afraid to make a decision because we're afraid if we make the wrong decision, God won't bless us. He'll stop protecting us. We'll get out of his perfect will. You know, I, I, one time, when I, you know, I left the ministry uh, for about a, a little over a year. I really didn't stop ministering to people. I just left the pulpit ministry. I had no intention of ever, ever speaking in the pulpit ever again. I was just so sick yeah. of it. I was sick of church. I was sick of Christians. I was sick of the political games that were played. And I was successful. It, it wasn't like I was the underdog that was saying, oh, me, this never works for me. I was the guy that really kind of had enviable success for my age. You know what I mean? And so, um, so uh, it was getting down to, and, and nobody knew that I was going to be resigning. I was a pastor in church. I was going to be resigning. And, uh, you know, 
Nobody was making me resign. I didn't have to resign. But in my heart, I knew where my heart is. I ain't got. Any, I don't have any business being a pastor. Hmm. And so uh, it was a midweek service. And, uh, you know, I gave an altar call for people to get healed. And it was one of those services where, man, it happened. Man, it was, it was happening. And, I mean, things were happening on the spot, you know, where people were thing you know they were getting healed on the spot people were getting saved yep. healed baptized in the it was it was just like a one of those services you just like man this is the perfect service and so there was a there was a lady there and she, she was she come and spoke to me after the service she said man that was just one of the most powerful services I've ever been in da, da, da. and she said you know i gotta tell you the truth brother jim she said you know i'd kind of heard that you were kind of either in trouble or backsliding or, or something uh, because, because, you know, it, some people were, had figured out that I was getting ready to make a move and leave, leave the pastor. And, you know, then they just assume why you're leaving, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. they, not that they, they guess, we call it the land of, the guessing, land of guessing and they yeah. all go into the land of Thus guessing. Thus saith the Lord, I guess this is what it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she said, but I'll tell you, she said, you know what? I know that, Man, I know that what I saw here tonight, God is blessing you, the anointing of God's on you. And she started to walk away. Man, I just reached out and grabbed her by the arm and just snatched her back. And I said, let me tell you something. I said, in my heart, I'm as backslidden as I've ever been. I, my heart is hardened. I'm sick of the ministry. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of this church. I'm sick of people. <laughs> I said, nothing happened here tonight because everything was right about me. It just happened here because I went ahead and preached the truth, and they believed it. And I, and I said, don't, don't ever assume that because things go good in the service that that means anything about what's going on with the, with the preacher. And, and that's, you know, that's my position. God, that's God, confirms, wow. God confirms his word. He does not confirm my ministry. Whoa. And we all kind of need to remember that. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and tweet that one, people. Yeah, go, go ahead and tweet that one all over the world. <laughs> so, so you know, I see it. I'll, you know, I knew God was good. God had nothing to do with all the things I was sick of. I knew that. That wasn't God's doing. That was people's doing. And I wasn't willing to be a part of it. It's just that, it's just that simple. It's like, I'm not saying y'all bad people. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about y'all. I am just saying I can't function this way. I can't live at peace and be in this, be in all of this. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so I've learned down through the years to always separate the circumstances from my choices. And if I make a choice based on circumstance, I can never turn back around and say, well, I thought this was God's will. I wasn't making, you know what I mean? I, I wasn't, you, you, you ever hear people, do it? it's, like, it's like, you know, all of this was going wrong in my job and all of this was happening. And I, so, you know what, I, I just took that down, you know, as a sign from God that I just needed to quit my job. Hmm. Well, how's that working for you? Well, I haven't been able to find a job. I can't tell you how many people in Canada, because, I, and I, because in Canada, uh, back in the days I used to come up there a lot, you know, the welfare system was very different in Canada. And I can't even tell you how many people I would talk to in church and they'll say, they'll say, well, you know, I haven't worked in two years. What do you mean you haven't worked in two years? Well, I just can't find a job I like. I said, forget a job you like, just get a job, you know. And, uh, but, you know, you get to talking to these people and they just quit some job or something because they weren't happy. 
And then it's sort of like, I don't know why God let me do that. It's like, no, you you just got through telling me you quit because you were unhappy. That that has nothing to do with God. You didn't, you know, that. I've stated a lot of jobs I didn't like, and I've quit a lot of jobs I did like based mm-hmm. on what I was feeling in my heart. So the thing, yes. the thing is, we actually let circumstances... Okay, this is it, yeah. Guide our decisions, and then, you know, this is where we fall into being our own God, the knowledge of good and evil. I will evaluate the situation. I will evaluate what's going on intellectually, and I will deem if it's good or evil for me to stay here. You know, in other words, is this going to is this going to be prosperous? Am I going to come out? Is this is this going to keep me in harmony with God, uh, or is it going to be chaotic? Is it not going to work? But I'm going to really, I'm just really making this decision on circumstances. But at the end of right. it, you know, I can't even tell you. I mean, I know my mind's jumping around like a crackhead today, but you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking because we talked a little bit about, about marriage counseling before we before we started this program. Man, how many people married somebody? on total circumstantial situations and then said i don't i don't know why god led me to do this it's like when, when did you ever say god led you to do this? you didn't say god led you to do this you said they did this and they did that and, they, and then you made an evaluation that it must be god because of these things but they absolutely convinced themselves that it was god that god made them marry this person because of the circumstances well, but, i've heard i've heard that one but let me say this it was god it was their God, not the God. Mm. And their God was themselves. You know, when you evaluate, when, when your decisions are made based on intellectual evaluations. Now, you may make an evaluation that says, I need a change, and then go seek God, and then go listen to your heart when you're trying to decide what to do. But if you make a decision based on an evaluation, it has nothing to do with God. So what I've heard, we, if we allow circumstances to lead our decisions, if we allow intellectual evaluations to make our decisions, and then I'm deciding whether it's good or bad, yeah. that is, you are literally, but we bring God into the mix, which is, that's where I think we get so With our lips, up. but not with our heart. Okay. We, we think because we invoke God's name in a situation that we've yeah. involved God. Well, no, we hadn't. So. We, we're just having him agree with our decision. We don't even care if he agrees with our decision. We're just pretending like he does. We've already made our decision. We just want to pretend yeah. like that we have somehow involved God. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said, you know, with your lips, you worship me, you recognize me, you honor me, you talk about me, but your heart is far, far, far from me. Well, then how do we keep our heart close to him so that we don't get screwed up in all this? Well, because my heart is not far from God, well, so then because we, we never lie to ourselves, quit. You know, okay. the greatest advice I can give anybody is quit lying to yourself. You know, you can lie to everybody else if you want to, but man, don't ever start lying to yourself. You know, when you're making a decision because you're discouraged, because you're tired, because you're frustrated, because you're mad at somebody, just own the fact that that's why you're making the decision. But see, the minute you the minute you call God into this. Now you've made it into something hypocritical. You have made it into something disingenuous. But even worse than that, 
you have made it into something that your mind has to convince you that you are right to do it. Because when you invoke God into a situation, you're si yeah. remember, your mind always seeks to prove you're right. And the bigger the factors, the more mm. you have to be right. And so you, you just can't. You know, you just can't bring God in where he's not. Now, you, can, and, you can't go in and say, I'm frustrated. I need to make some decisions. And you can start seeking God. Yes. But you can't make that decision out of the frustration or the being mad right. or being sad or being confused. And I think that's where we trip up. I think, you know, protect yourself by quit lying to yourself. Tell yourself, you know what? I am in a not in a good place to make a decision right now. I am feeling angry or frustrated or really overwhelmed. I don't make good decisions when I'm overwhelmed. No, nobody does. But that means that, yeah. And so then we're going to, so the, then the truth is that you could protect yourself by saying, just confessing your limitation to God yeah. and saying, wow, like, guess what? I need to experience your love right now. And I need to confess my limitation here because I am not going to make a good decision on my own. You know, you, you guys have known me as long and personally, maybe almost as anybody has. How many times ever have you, I mean, I've done it a few times, but, <laughs> but, but when I did, I, I was, I was spot on. I knew what I was saying, you know, in other words, I wasn't just masking, but how many times have you guys ever heard me or how often have you ever heard me make a decision and say, God was leading me to do it? Yeah. No, Yeah. no. See, the moment you do that, you're locked in and you got to defend yeah. yourself. Oh you gotta my gosh. So I, I've been just sitting here and listening, listening, listening. And I thought, okay, I'll share my story. Okay. okay? Come on. So, so my, my story is uh, Audrey and I, we were just coming through the, the crisis, you know, in our marriage. Um, Audrey, Audrey had had, you know, the affair and our son Robert was born and we were together and living in Phoenix. And um, I had an awesome job uh, working uh, for a really very, very dear man uh, to, my, to my heart and life. That was uh, Ron Embry. And I was producing, helping produce his program for him. Anyway, he got the call, you know, the call. There you go. There's a good word. He, he moved from Phoenix to Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. He got and, an opportunity. And he, yeah, he got a great opportunity. And then he says, he says, Bob, I want you to come and be my production manager there. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. Because I saw it as provision for my family, a promotion, you know, an increase of income, security. a security. Yeah. And, and, and I'm floundering. And influence. Like yeah, it was and a great influence. job. It was awesome. And so I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. So I labeled it everything of God leading. Mm. Okay. So when I landed there, I'm God's gift because God brought me here. Mm. You see, this is, this is the word of the that's Lord. What, that, this that's is what God. I tell Brenda all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm God's <laughs> gift to you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you see... It, and I'm coming out of a story that is extremely dramatic, yeah. you know, of, of, of really God healing and restoring our marriage. But really, there's a lot of personal choice that's in that. It's not that I just stood and watched him do it, but I have to engage. Yeah. 
I have to be willing. I, I have to surrender. I got to admit I'm wrong. You, you know, all kinds of things. But the the drama and and the bigness of that story is just like, whoa, God's really with you, you know. And now I'm landing, you know, at in this new position. Well, within four weeks, um, again, my 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 family didn't want to be there. My my son Christopher's going into his senior year of high school. He didn't want to be there, and he was going to go live with his grandparents, you know, in another nation, you know. And it was like, wait, I didn't, you know, come this far to lose my family, and so now. I'm going to leave this new job that God led me to, and now I'm going to go for another job and another position to keep my family together. I'll never forget, I had a conversation with one of their employees, and he looked at me and he says, so you're telling me God changed his mind? You came here telling me, you know, of how wonderful God is and how he led you here and how awesome this is going to be. And now a month later, you're, you're going somewhere else. So tell me, tell me about this voice of God. Tell me about you hearing him and him leading and directing you. He says, it's not making sense to me. I hated that conversation. Oh, I, bet you did. <laughs> I hated it. It was so because I was floundering because I, it wasn't a God conversation. It was a me conversation. It was all about me. It was all about my ego. It was all about, you know, my own self-preservation, but yet I, I, I used God and, and his, you know, his word or his direction trying to, uh, uh, gain an advantage. And I think a lot of people, you know, have been in that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I, wow. I started encountering that with a lot of my friends when I went to Bible college. Because you get, you know, these people would come there, man, and when they'd first get there, God led me, God led me, God led me, God led me. Yep. And then, you know, they face some hardship or they get teachers they don't like or something, and they're like, I'm leaving. And I'd always say, well, why, why are you leaving? Well, you know, I think I, you know, this is not what God wants me to do. And I said, well, wait a minute. You said God led you here. I said, do you think God didn't know these teachers or these circumstances, you know, when, when mm -hmm. you came here? Well, yeah, he knew. Well, then if he knew and you're sure it was God, then there's options and look for the options. But if you can just admit, you know, what, I really don't know if God led me to it or not. I just wanted to come. If you can own that, then you suddenly open the door to all all the other options. But until you can do that, you're like I say, you're you're locked in. You're locked in, yeah. Because you, you can't mm -hmm. afford to see God somewhere else because you've already made this big announcement. And your ego and, and and the way people see you is all wrapped up in you said you know you heard from God. Yep, yep, did that. Now, Oh, I think the wow. I think the in, in the Greek there's this real subtle term that's called suck it up. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta suck it up and go. You know what, man? I yeah. missed it. That's and I don't yeah. I don't want to get my ego engaged. That's why I just very rarely say God is leading. I'll say, you know, I'm kind of feeling this. I'm kind of sensing something because you know I, I can be sure mm -hmm. when I'm sensing something from God. I may not know the details. Mm -hmm. I can be sure when I'm when I'm leaning mm -hmm. in a direction. And I don't even mind just saying, you know, this decision just 
just makes sense to me. But I'm but you're always open to okay. But if I get a no when I start moving forward, I get a no. That's oh okay. Let me just hit the brakes. You know. Hmm. Uh, constantly open, constantly yeah. flexible, constantly movable and shapeable. You know, God even calls us that clay yeah. on the potter's wheel. You know that He can easily shape. Yeah. And the, and if, if if humility is truly authentic then we can be shaped easily and go, yeah. oh, that's okay. It, it wasn't what I thought. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that you, you were able yeah. to, you know, Bob, Bob could have become, if Bob's ego would have taken the wheel, then our family would not be where it is no. today because Chris would have gone and does his thing. I don't know what our kids would be like right now. Yeah. Like we don't know on that quantum place of yeah. where he made that decision, how much has changed because of that one willingness and humility on Bob's heart to say, you yeah. know what? I, I'm going to choose to lay all of this down, yep. and in humility, I'm going to I'm going to go with my family. Yeah, you know, stop thinking about it. it. We can either be concerned about making ourselves look bad, or concerned about making God look bad. And sadly, most people would just like Job. Mm. I am going to condemn you, God, so that I can continue mm. to appear to be righteous. Mm-hmm. Now. You know, the, the, the people, the listeners, uh, uh, we're getting down to the end of this. The listeners may be saying, well, what has this got to do with the goodness of God? And, well, here's what it's got to do. And we'll, you know, in the next episode, we will dive straight into this. Okay. Mm-hmm. But stop and think about it. Re- remember, you know, Proverbs says, the, the foolishness of a man destroys his life or, you know, causes his pain or whatever. And in his heart, he blames God. Wow. When we are not willing to just be real and own stuff. Now, now, let me put a little caveat in here, though. If you don't believe the gospel of peace, you can't do what I'm talking about. You can't do it. If you don't believe that God made peace with you through the Lord Jesus and that because you are in him, you never have to fear his wrath being poured out on you. You never have to fear him punishing you for making wrong decisions, all that kind of nonsense. And by the way, you know, we'll get into some of this, but in my book, 10 Words, which is available now, 10 Words, they'll change everything you know about God. I love it. Yeah. You know, you know, we talk about the, the, all of these words that were deliberately mistranslated. And chastisement is the one of the number one words that, you know, Augustine, you know, and remember, I, I know this sounds highly critical, but, uh, you know, the, the charismatics, the Pentecostals, the Word of Faith, and the Catholics, you know, all people have ways of choosing their will over God's will. They just say it differently. They just play a different game. You know, the, the charismatics, man, they would, they would, scorn the Pope for being able to speak ex cathedra. In other words, so when the, when the Pope speaks ex cathedra, then that means this supersedes anything God ever said. I'm speaking in behalf of God, which means God has changed his mind because I've changed my mind. Well, you know, charismatics would just, in Word of Faith and Pentecost, man, they would just excoriate a Catholic, you know, for that. But stop and think, they'll prophesy something to you that is so unscriptural and so nonsensical. So that's the same thing. I'm, yea, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt break this scripture and do this, you know. 
So th there's no difference. But, so so it, everybody does it. I was just, okay, I was just thinking about the prophecy and how much that has screwed oh, up people's lives. Man, it, when it's it directional, oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Oh, okay, yeah, I've had going. thousands of people over the years. How did you get in this mess? Well, you know, uh, I was praying and I was kind of thinking, and then somebody prophesied to me that I should marry this person. It's like, right. you got married uh -huh. on a prophecy? Are you, like, stupid? I mean, what what is wrong with you? Oh, you know, I mean, I know people that, and I'm just saying that that's where all the blaming God comes oh, yeah. in and people can go back to that place 20 years ago. Well, the reason we moved there was because it was prophesied to yeah. us. So, so, so oh. stop and think about it. So, so <laughs> you guys, this can cure you got people to, you so got to be right. You got to be right to salvage. It's not, see, you think it's your self-worth. It's not, it's your ego. Your mind always seeks to preserve your ego, by proving right. that you're right, your heart always seeks to preserve your identity. Mm -hmm. And so people confuse ego with self-worth. And so, so I gotta be right. So since I don't believe the gospel of peace, since, see, I think I can tell God anything. I, you know, I mean, I can admit to anything with God. You know, every, you know if I'm tempted to do something, uh, you know, my prayer of repentance is sort of like, God, you know I wanna do this. And you know I probably would if the circumstances were right because anybody will do anything if all the variables are right. Anybody will. Right. I don't care who you are. And so yeah. you know, you know, you know, if I'm left to my own, if I'm left to my own devices, I'll probably end up in this sin, whatever that particular sin is. Mm -hmm. But I also know, God, that's not really who I want to be. So you know, so I'm opening my heart to you. However, you can do it. I'm making a choice that I'm not going there, but then you got to work in me. That's what grace is, where God goes to work in you, and it's not mm -hmm. just an intellectual choice. It's a power that 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 gets you yeah. out of it. But see, if you think God caused all of these past problems in your life, then you're not going to go to Him and admit anything because you're going to think, if I do this, He's going to do something mm -hmm. else bad to me. Yeah. yeah that's, 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 and it might be subconscious. It might yeah. be subliminal, but in the depths of your heart, that's what you believe. Last time when I did this, you know, then it messed up for you me. Know, there, was, there was a guy that went to our church for years. And, and here, here's what I used to say. I'd see people get their lives revolutionized when they'd been in our church. And, I, and when they would move away, and I was fine with that. You know, I, I never was somebody that tried to hold on to people. Uh, but when they'd move away, I'd say, now listen, you're going to have a hard time finding a church that's flowing in this direction. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, find a church that's got good worship, find a church that's got a positive word, but do not get in a church that preaches something else, that preaches, you know, that God will do things to you and God will hurt you. And I said, because I'm telling you, you won't hold on to this message. Oh, no, man, Jim, this changed my life. I'm, man, I'm telling you, I am here. I'm like, no. You're saying that you're going to violate what the Bible tells you to do because the Bible tells you to stop listening to anything that would cause you to err from instruction, you know, the word of God, stop it, or from the knowledge of God. And, and oh no, man, you know, I'm, man, I'm fixed in this. And they'll go off and get in, in, in to a church that, you know, that's back in the stuff that they used to believe. And it doesn't take hardly any time to they're right back there. So, okay. So this guy went to our church, his whole family transformed. And so uh, I hired him to do a job for me not long ago. And I hadn't seen him in years. And so, he he got out, got too hot, didn't drink enough water, got dehydrated, blacked out, and fell off of the roof of one of our buildings. 
Oh my gosh. Now, fortunately, what, uh, you're talking about some good things working. I like what the Hebrew talk about, about godly coincidences. You know, can't say God did it, can't say God didn't do it, but I can tell you this, it was a godly coincidence that it worked out this way. <laughs> we had just moved a set of concrete steps that had been on this particular building for, well, I've, I've owned that particular property for 30 years, and those steps were there when I bought it. And, uh, but, but we closed up that door, and so we moved those steps. He falls right there where those steps were. He blacks out, falls off the, off the roof, and it's the only place on the whole, around the whole house where there's soft, fresh dirt. So he lands on all fours, and he gets a little gash in the head. But, I mean, he could have easily broken both of his kneecaps. He did break both of his arms. And um, so I, I go over there, and his, his wife calls me and says, I, I can't get him to answer or talk on the phone. He does not make any sense. Go check on So I go check on him. So, you know, pray with him, call an ambulance, because I could tell his arms were broken. And, uh, but here's what's interesting. Then I had a conversation with him a couple, you know, about two weeks later, and he said, you know, he said, you know, I realize that God did this for some greater purpose. I said, think so? So, so well, let me see. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you mm -hmm. might have life and have it more abundantly. So mm -hmm. I didn't say this to him because it wasn't time for the conversation, but I was sitting there thinking, I have said it to people. Sometimes I just say, okay, so tell me how your logic fits into that scriptural equation. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, I don't know, but I, you know, this is just what God's showing me. No, it's not what God's showing you. This is what you're making up to justify the fact that you were too stupid to go get a drink of water when you were thirsty on a hot day. Real mm -hmm. simple. Now, all of that to say, see, we got this need to be right. We don't trust who God really is. And we got this history that proves that God is not good. So as long as we have this need to be right, we're going to cling to that history <sighs> being the explanation of how God works in our life. Therefore, yeah. we'll never see him as he is. We'll never come out of it. Mm -hmm. And it's going back. To, I, I don't know where this started, but where we evaluate the circumstances. Yep. Yes. That we're evaluating the circum right, circumstances God. and we're creating this need. Yep. And I know my needs better than God does. Right. And I know how my needs are best met more than what God would. Yep. I, I, I remember, you know, even purchasing the home that we're in right now. I, re, I, I knew the voice of the Lord in my heart, but I also knew my family needs a home. Yep. You see, my, my children need to get into school. Yep. My, all of those things. And, and so it was, I, again, I was assessing or evaluating the circumstances, and I had... Um, godly counsel all around me saying, don't do it. But I allowed my need to drive the decision mm -hmm. and the fear and, and the way I thought. And I thought, no, no, this is what God would want for us. You know, aunt, whatever it might be, but everything contrary to what I was sensing and feeling in my heart. Well, it wasn't the best decision, but my Redeemer lives. That's right. Okay, so I'm able to repent and change my mind 
but my redeemer lives. Yep. And and there's a process and there's a you know a working it out. I mean, we bought the home and within a few weeks, honestly, within the few weeks, the, the ink hadn't even dried on my signature and the housing market blew. Yep. You know, the bubble popped in my, my home, you know, what I paid for went, you know, 50%. I mean, that's and I'm not blaming anyone. No. But I'll take personal responsibility for this. But but what I'm what I'm getting to is is would we be willing to be patient? Yeah. Would we be willing to be patient? And and my my working definition for patience is this: unwavering under pressure. And circumstances would love to dictate and and push and move your emotions, the feelings that you experience would love to drive and direct your life. Mm -hmm. But will we be patient and really know what it is to trust God, that he actually does love me and that he really is that good? You know, next week we can, we'll, we'll, We'll solve the cliffhanger next week that we told them that some of them were going to. And I think, the cliff, if I remember correctly, we were talking about the closest thing to time travel that you can ever get. Oh, That's it. right. So you remember. We're going we're to come yeah. back next week. And I'm going to show you the, the one way that no matter how bad your decision is, how you're going to be able to get delivered from it, how God, how God is, is going to can turn the curse into the blessing. Yeah, there we and, go. And, and how that you can still live the absolute best life possible. I'm not saying you won't have challenges, but we're, we're mm-hmm. going to give you the key that's going to be, you know, because you get in these situations, <laughs> just like, man, if I could just go back and do that over again, I'm going to show you mm-hmm. something that's better than that, than, than going back and making the, a different choice. Right. Okay, Jim, that's like, this is so torturous because people are going to sleep yeah. now for the next six nights <laughs> waiting for this next podcast. You sold me pretty good on this one. I'm excited. Well, you know, that's, that's what I do to Brenda. Like, I'll, I'll get her a gift and I'll say, <laughs> when you like know what's in here? <laughs> or sometimes I'll say, you know, I already bought you a Christmas present. You're really going to love it. Oh, my <laughs> and, you, know, you are and, a nutcase. You're a brat. She that's starts, what you are. Like, you're a brat. But, you know, you could, listen, you could. You could put a box in front of me and just tell me there's something in here you wanted all your life, but you can't touch it <laughs> until May the twelfth. That's my birthday, May the twelfth. You know yeah. what? I wouldn't even look at it again. See, I, see, I can do that. So I can torment people with this stuff, but <laughs> and I'm not phased by it whatsoever. So next week we're going to give you <laughs> the one thing that is closest to, but even better than time travel. Okay. <laughs> I cannot wait, but I'm going to wait because I have to wait. Right. So we will. I had no idea that today's episode would bring us to where we are. No, no I didn't either. Been fun. Boy, was that a trip. That was a fun trip. <laughs> that was a super fun trip. That was a great trip we took together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you everyone for investing in your own heart and life. And today has been really good and no no at you know as we close it off i just really want you to know how god so fully and completely loves you he really does and i just want to remind you that if you're intrigued by that book that we were talking about it's a nude book by jim mm. 10 words tell us the, the title there jim 10 again. words that'll change everything you know about god 
Yeah, it, it's available at our, our livetransform.com yep. and make sure, you know, you take a look at that. That might be a great book for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And then, of course, we'll see you. We'll, we'll be listening yep. next week. There's no we'll doubt. We'll all be here next week. We'll all be here next week. <laughs> well, by the way, if they get the book. Try and sleep at night. Just try to. If they get the book okay. and the series uh-huh. together, we're going yeah. to give them free access to the uh, World Changer Weekend where Kai and Ventura and me where we where we teach uh, oh, okay. the, and, and there's not a lot of overlap in the book the series and this seminar but okay so then even if it's after the seminar took place they can have access to what happened during yep. that seminar yep. okay perfect. oh that's good that's awesome oh that's really good jim right. okay i think people got that so again take a look at livetransform.com jim thank you for your thank generosity you. love you okay and we'll see you next week bye-bye